Hi, everyone. On this episode of Steam of the Classroom, I have Rachel Lair from Perth, Australia, joining me. Um, she is bright and early on her Sunday morning, and I'm recording um, on my Saturday night, which is pretty cool. Uh, Rachel is an incredible educator who has won several awards, including Teacher of the Year, Australia's Council for Educational Leaders Teacher Leader Award, um, and she is a strong advocate for STEM education and has presented many times on the topic. I first met Rachel on Twitter when I woke up early one morning. Um, I was browsing Twitter before I rolled out of bed and I came across a chat called hashtag primary STEM chat. And I'm sure anyone that's listened to my podcast before has heard me gush about how amazing this chat is. Um, I'm obsessed with it and I recommend it to everyone, all educators I know. Um, so this is pretty cool. I'm fangirling, so I need to make sure that I handle myself <laughs> while we <laughs> chat today because this is a dream come true to be able to chat with you. So welcome, Rachel. Well, good morning or good evening, really, for you. I'm, I'm so excited to be here and to, you know, hear you. I can't see you, but to hear you and to meet you like this. Um, it's been really great getting to know you over the last year or so now, really. I think it's been since you popped in. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm excited to be here and to chat. This is so awesome. And I hope that someday we can meet in real life. That would be even better. I have to figure out a way to finagle my way to Australia. Yeah, or vice versa. Happy to right. come over there. Yeah, anytime you want to come over to North America, you just sneak right down to Massachusetts and, uh, and I'll meet you or anywhere. Um, okay, so why don't you tell us about yourself and what you teach and, and anything that you want to share? Sure. So... Um, if you haven't been on primary STEM chat, you won't know that much about me, obviously. So I'm a primary um, science specialist, but that role has morphed into being a science and a digital tech teacher leader in the school. So that means I teach science to all the classes from year one. We call it year. I think you call it grade two. Yep. From um, year one through to year six. So I have about 400 students coming through for one hour a week science. And then I actually embed the digital tech into science lessons. So those students, we've only been using digital tech, iPads, sometimes laptops in the class for the last couple of years now. So that's how we get the digital tech into the science. So in addition to that, though, I go down into our junior classes with the um, pre-primary we call it and kindergartners and I do digital tech lessons down there with the teachers showing them how to use the iPads in the class. I also have a, a STEM club which runs after school for girls in STEM so that's our senior girls. We have a weekly um, session that runs for an hour and a half after school so that's been going for a few years now and a few other little things like Minecraft Mondays which is a lunchtime club and a coding club so that's a few of the things that I'm doing just at school on a daily basis. <laughs> You're very busy and I mean like what teacher isn't busy but you have really packed your schedule your school is lucky to have you and all your students are lucky. Oh, they're always asking for more things. Like, can we do Minecraft two days and we need a boys STEM club, you know. So they're always asking for more, but I do have to put a limit on it because I am a mother of three teenagers as well. So, oh, you know, wow. you, so you know other things. Yeah. 
That's awesome. There, that's that's so great, though. And you know, it's good if they're asking for more, right? Like it's it's oh, a definitely. compliment. <laughs> yeah, and then they won't leave when they come in. So that's always another good sign. <laughs> when you can't get kids to go. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so, what made you decide to start Primary STEM Chat? Well, that was actually something that happened a couple of years ago. It was two other science educators. So Sally and Fiona, I don't know how we actually ended up chatting. I think it was Sal originally. We had a, just a grouped message where we put it out there as an idea. So we were just humming it over in what, what, what would it look like. And we felt there was a real need for help in the primary arena. There was a lot of sort of general STEM chats out there, um, a lot of secondary maybe science teachers and math teachers talking around these things. But there wasn't much for primary and early childhood. And obviously... As a primary teacher, it was quite an interest. And I think, too, we felt like STEM was little understood. And as mm -hmm. you know from joining the chat, we still wonder um, whether STEM is very well understood. And so we just felt there would be a great space for a forum where we could come together and mull these big ideas over. So that's really where it came from. And it's worked out really well. I'm really, I feel like a proud mother thinking about how this professional learning network really has built over a short time. So we, as you know, people come from America and, um, mm -hmm. you know, the, the UK and we've got someone hoping to join us from Germany this week and Singapore. And so there's people joining all around the world now, New Zealand often, and, and getting up at ridiculous times in the morning like you, Tori, <laughs> to join us. So I think it's really become a very positive community. Um, and I just, I, I know that I've learned so much personally myself. So that's why I keep it going because I come away better for all the sharing that people do. Oh, yeah. It gives me ideas. I'm always stealing, if you're going to call it that, ideas from everyone else. So I can't remember the last time I had a unique idea <laughs> that was my own. So, Well, someone once told me years ago um, that a good teacher is a great thief. <laughs> Well, there you go. I would agree. Yeah, I wholeheartedly <laughs> agree with that. <laughs> and we just gotta like take take ideas and make them your own, and um, obviously give credit where credit is um, supposed to be given. But yeah, I mean, talking on primary STEM chat, I get so many ideas, and I just feel so motivated from it, and I feel so connected, and um, and to have that network that just feels like home. I don't know. Like, and it's just like, you can use the hashtag to ask a question and you know that there's going to be a dozen people that will answer you and try and help you out. And to be able to chat with everyone every week. And, and now it's kind of tough because of the time zones, yeah. um, with all of our daylight savings happening. And pretty soon we're, we're going to have daylight savings here. So it'll be 4.30 earlier for us. Wow. <laughs> so I probably won't be joining for a few months. <laughs> Yeah, but I love what you said about it feels like home and I think that it actually has brought together so many passionate but also generous educators who just are willing to give so much of what they're doing and sharing their ideas so openly and it does it feels like this really nice little um, not necessarily like a t I can't even put it into words either myself I think you said it well it feels like home because I just everyone is so generous and even if they don't really know and if I make really hard questions like last week, they're still generous with, you know, their time and they'll really give what they can to the chat. So I think we're all growing as educators because of these kind of experiences online. Oh, definitely. And then you start to sound all evangelical when you're trying to get people to join, though. <laughs> 
it's like <laughs> yeah but it's like to... it's like weekly free professional development really oh absolutely and uh, and it, we just had, I just, um, yesterday and the day before that, um, I had attended a, a huge conference that they hold in Massachusetts called MassQ and it's oh, our yeah, free conference. Yep. And, um, they have, I think a couple of thousand teachers that attended over the course of the two days. And, um, and it's awesome. And it's just, it's such a great environment. And it reminds me of, having the resources like primary STEM chat online. And it's like, it's right. It's how do I describe it? It's basically where I want and hope professional development all leads to making it so tech savvy, making it so that you can connect with other people, you know, professional development where you just sit in a seat and someone talks at you for six hours is not going to be as positive and as impactful as something where you can get up and you can talk to people and you can talk to people from all over and be able to share ideas and and be able to really like reach out and that's how I feel about primary stem chat because of all of the people that we get to talk to and all the ideas and we don't always agree and, oh, and exactly. I think yeah. those conversations are awesome because you are able to um, confidently talk to someone and know that they are respectful and that they can talk to you and they can disagree or you can disagree with them and it, and it will still at the end of the day be positive and um, you know you wanting to go back for more which is yeah I couldn't agree more and I think that's been one of the things that I've really tried to create with this um, chat online is that it is a, a place where we all come with different view for, viewpoints but respectfully and I feel like that has been I come away and and it feels so positive afterwards you don't want it to become an experience where people feel attacked for believing something different so I feel like that's really the space that it's becoming and it's staying like that which is really awesome so I've been mulling over how to take this one hour a week chat to something bigger like some sort of MOOC or some online learning experience where you can get in and do some sort of more hands-on things oh cool not just necessarily look at um webcasts or anything but maybe more sort of tasks to do i've actually just joined one that um it's in europe somewhere so stem is everywhere it's called and it's a goes over five weeks an online mooc starting in a few weeks so um i'm going to go through that and see how they run that and then think about how to do something more with that because I think it would be great if we could actually get a bit more active sharing people could provide ideas and enact them and bring them back or something I'm, I'm mulling it over in my head but yeah. I think we could go somewhere with that that's really cool you could really build it out too one of my favorite conferences is education closets um, arts integration and stem and steam conference Right. Yeah. It was online. Have you um, have you heard of that one? Or I hadn't heard of that one. No. Yeah. Um, it's online. It's usually um, twice a year, uh, so in the summer and in the winter, and um, and people from all over the world attend it because they can because it's all online, which is really cool. Yeah. So who knows, uh, Rachel? Maybe someday you'll be running some super cool online conference 
And well, um, you know, when I get an idea, if I stick at it long enough, I usually try to make things happen. <laughs> a bit wow, of a okay. dog, at, like at a dog at a boat. All right, listeners, so. you've you've heard this. <laughs> yeah, well before it ever happened. But yeah, it's, I just think it's because it is such a positive community. I really wanted to share that more broadly, and I love that it's free too. Let's be honest. I mean, like, lately some conferences I've been to have been so expensive, and it's really. Um, it can be prohibitive for those tiny schools or the educator whose school doesn't support them in going to opportunities. So I just think, you know, we're here for the kids. We're here to do the best we can. And when these conferences are so expensive, it, it is off-putting. So yeah. the more that we can do and share generously and freely uh, for the betterment of, you know, our education for our students, then, then I'm in for that. Yeah. And um, speaking of, I'm just going to segue right in, um, talking about presenting and going to conferences and everything, do you have a most memorable presentation experience, either uh, attending one or you presenting? Is there anything you want to share about that? Well, I think for me, I think the best presentations that I've been to have not necessarily always been hands-on, but I think where someone shares a real personal experience with the, their students in the classroom or they really, like you can just see their passion for what they do. So even if they don't get you to do something, they really welcome you into their learning environment and you can really see what they're doing in that space. So, but alternatively, if you do get a chance to do something hands-on, I think that really can actually um, help with your learning as you said before sometimes just sitting and listening um you know you can be talked at but to engage in the learning really helps but I've often presented um about my girls stem club or about embedding digital tech into science so when I've talked about my girls stem club it's harder for me to actually create a hands-on experience so I use a lot of video and a lot of photos and really take um the audience as such into that STEM club and really try to show them, you know, the, the smiles on the faces, the look of wonderment and all that. So I really want them to see that. And then when I'm doing digital tech, I always like to get the actual um, teachers to do the tech. That's the best yeah. way to do it. So they become a student in the classroom. So yeah, I just think being genuine and, and sh letting your passion shine and, and also being willing to, you know, just be human. Yeah. You don't need to be the perfect presenter for people to <laughs> engage with you with your what you're sharing. So um, I just, you know, say be yourself. If you're not normally funny, don't try to be funny. <laughs> it's not gonna go well when you're standing in front of hundreds of people. Right? <laughs> Willing to laugh at yourself. <laughs> yeah. So I've done a few different conferences now, but I do find those ones where you get really maybe sometimes even a smaller group and getting audience participation, you know, they, people want a chance to share and talk. Yeah. So, yeah. I, um, I presented at um, MassQ, the conference I was just talking about. Um, yeah. I presented yesterday and it was awesome. It was uh, the people in the audience were so willing to talk and to have discussions and to offer ideas and I, t I told them I said I am not you know a professional I'm not the world's best at like what I'm presenting I presented on podcasting and I was like yeah. I'm just I want to get you guys 
interested in using it in your classroom and get you guys excited to do it. And, and they were like, no, no, like, this is amazing. You are a professional. <laughs> like, no, I'm really not. But it's just like something that I love and I want to share. And it felt like everyone in the room felt that when they were leaving, like they all had smiles. They all seemed really yeah. eager to start doing it. And that's, I mean, that's all I can ask as a presenter, right? Yeah, and I think that's the thing. If you're presenting on something that you really do feel passionate about, then that will shine through. So whenever I've been asked or there's an opportunity to present, I always have to think, what am I, you know, what's really floating my boat at the moment? Because if yeah. I'm not excited about it, why will I stand up in front of these other people and try to sell them something that I don't believe in? So, exactly. yeah, I, that's, I think it's important that it's, it's our thing. And like you say, it might not be polished and perfect as a presentation but it's real and that's made way more meaning for me like for me when I when I can see that in a in a presenter so I'm sure I they agree. would have loved your session oh thanks <laughs> uh, I'd like to attend one time <laughs> that'd be so cool we'll we'll make it happen yeah we'll, we'll I, I'm gonna start, start, start we're primary seeing. stem chat global conference yeah, it's coming. <laughs> okay, so you've talked about your um, your classroom, and um, and that you're that you're a science teacher for the school. So, what yep. does that look like? Do the kids only have you for science, or do they also have other science in their homerooms? No, um, it's a bit it's a bit shorter, light on really. So they get me for an hour a week, which particularly in the senior classes, is not enough. So as much as possible, I'd like the classroom teachers to do the kind of science literacy and make links mm -hmm. to what our topic is in their reading and et cetera. But as you know, we have a very crowded curriculum. So I think sometimes they really just get this one out with me. Um, so, yeah, so when you were saying sort of how does it look, I have them for one hour on a topic for the term so this term for example we're doing earth and space mm -hmm. i'm not sure how your curriculum is structured there for science but we have four topics so we have chemistry physics <coughs> earth and space and biology so i do one topic per term so but i've even been mulling over that in my head about really mixing that up so that it's the topics aren't specific to that because as you know chemistry and physics link quite well yeah. to biology and so you, i'm actually thinking of these really broad topics that are more STEM problem based where you bring in the learning but it's a lot of planning in my mind because I do need to ensure that I cover the content as well so I I'm at this stage I'm really looking for how within that earth and space topic I can make it more STEM focused so rather than just perhaps historically I would just share the content and they sometimes would do more project-based learning. Now I'm trying to start with a bigger question or a bigger problem and then let the learning sort of come from that, if that makes sense. Yeah. So it's still a work in progress. I think finding that way to not let the science inquiry skills or the science content fall aside, but then talking about all those STEM skills or the dispositions we talked about on Thursday in primary STEM chat, trying to allow those opportunities for the kids to build on those other skills as well. But in one hour a week, it is a challenge. <laughs> let's be honest. Oh yeah. So, but I went to the STEM X Academy a few years back, the 
inaugural STEM X Academy, which was this week-long professional learning conference just for science teachers. Oh, cool. uh, and that was really looking at how to do STEM in the classroom. So since that time, I've been really working with how to change the practice in my classroom. So it is, it's always been hands-on science, but now trying to get that more... Um, real-world, authentic, problem-based learning, giving opportunities for the kids to work more in groups and um, those other sort of principles behind STEM that we talk about a lot. So it doesn't always work out that I can do it. There's sometimes I just have to give them content. So, mm -hmm. but I'm still working at it. Yeah. And as I said before, uh, the digital tech then becomes part of that as well. So I've been using iPads for about five years in the classroom, but in the last two years I have gone from any workbooks any paper and we just do everything through apps that show what we know so everything on our ipads is an app to display learning in some way so oh, cool. you know whether it's kahoot quizzes or we make iMovies or we do flipgrid or padlet or anything everything on there is used for purpose to show what we know right that's awesome and seesaw right yes absolutely seesaw across the school so i'm a seesaw ambassador uh here in perth so presented on seesaw a lot but we use that that's where we post everything so whatever we create whatever we make whether it's a movie whether it's you know some sort of document that gets shared to seesaw and then goes home to the families so absolutely love seesaw oh, go down into, you the, got me into it yeah and even in the early childhood it's so great getting down there and seeing what the kids can do right in kindergarten so getting out there, taking photos, doing lots of recordings down there. Yeah. So it really opens up the opportunity to find out what's in kids' heads when you just give them this tool for them to record and share and everything. So, yeah, huge fan of that. <laughs> yeah. It's so incredible. And um, <clears throat> I actually, at the conference, I was talking to the uh, creators of the Do Inc. app Oh yeah, yeah. They were there because they're out. They're out of uh, Massachusetts, and so they happened oh, to be okay. at the conference. And um, and we were actually talking about how you can take what you make on doing and put on put it onto Seesaw. And for anyone that yep. doesn't know what doing, it's um, an app that allows you to work with green screens. It's really cool. Um, but yeah, I didn't even I didn't realize it. Um, we just we just got doing uh, the other day and put it on our iPads. Um, and the kids are going to start using it on Monday. And I'm so excited that I can link it up with Seesaw too, which is so cool. And yeah, because um, you can put anything straight in from the app. Yeah. Or else I found sometimes it's easier just to save things down to your camera roll. And then obviously whatever you've got in your camera roll, you can add to Seesaw. So whether it's a video of the kids, you know, taking themselves into their work, which I've seen some really great things, you know, they've created some art piece and then they put themselves in there and explain it. And, mm -hmm. you know, so um, doing can take the kids anywhere. It's amazing. So we so did cool. a lot, even just in science. So the kids created these rockets out of everyday objects. We put them, into space with the green screen and then we put them into their picture with their rocket in space so um it's really exciting kind of learning for young kids or for all the kids really to be able yeah. to do that and then they share it with their families through seesaw so it's amazing that's so awesome when i was talking to the doing um people <laughs> we i had mentioned that um i was podcasting with you this weekend and um and that you were from australia and they were like oh my god we have 
so many amazing loyal people from Australia and I said yeah Australia loves STEM too and they're like they are such advocates it's such an amazing <laughs> country for STEM and I was like oh I'm gonna give Rachel all that credit <laughs> <laughs> that's me no we have some really great one STEM advocate <laughs> <laughs> yeah well it's been interesting though um that primary STEM chat has opened up opportunities or um you know, I've got a lot of people will email me or contact me via Twitter or LinkedIn and say, I've seen the chat and I'm doing my master's or I'm doing my this on STEM and can you help? So you seem to do a lot of interviews and, and help people and, and even opportunities to present at conferences have come out of it. So it really is um, quite life-changing, one little thing that you start after yeah. a chat with friends. So. I know yeah, it's so amazing. You probably had no idea either that this would no. build into what it is. I know. We kind of wondered if anyone would even come along. So, <laughs> you know, when you're throwing yourself out there. But, um, yeah, it's been really awesome. So, and I think, and I love how looking back over the stories from the chat, it, it's quite changing who will attend. So, you know, I don't think anyone feels the pressure to consistently be there. I mean, we have a few people who have been really regular, but, the people that participate, it varies depending on the topic. And, mm -hmm. and so, yeah, it's just been really interesting. So there's been quite a shift perhaps in um, being from a lot more local people to, like I said, all around the world and, and sometimes more um, leaders and people that aren't even in the classroom are joining. And we seem to be getting people that are in secondary, but they're like, we still love your chat anyway. So, so that's great. Yeah. yeah. It's incredible. Um, so I'm going to pick your brain. I'm going to ask you for some advice. So right. if you, um, if someone asked you for advice to start their own Twitter chat, what would you say? Well, the biggest problem, <laughs> the thing to think over is time, because we've talked about this a lot, is it's got to be convenient. And the time our chat is doesn't seem to be that convenient for a lot of people. <laughs> but, I mean, that's really hard to get around. So you'd have to – the first thing is deciding when do you want to do it and how often. Um, so we decided – there was a number of reasons why we went for a Thursday night. Originally it was because of other certain chats that we already knew were in Australia that were going on. Say we have Aussie Ed on Sundays and mm. there's a pre-service teacher chat. And then other chats, there was a high school chat for STEM that was on a different night. So it was really like looking at what's already out there. So you don't want to replicate something or, you know, tread on toes by trying to do something at the same time. So there's yeah. that to consider. Um, then also um, you, you really can't do it alone. And so there was three of us at the beginning. So you need perhaps a little, I mean, you could do it alone. So uh, there's been times where I've had to call in other people. So we had Aiden join in because um, Cell couldn't do it anymore and Fiona's pregnant. And so so now it's sort of really at the moment just Aiden and myself. But you do need backup because you can't be there every week. Sometimes right. like I was travelling through the centre of Australia and <clears throat> had no service for yeah. like two weeks on the holidays. So you do need someone. So that would be another thing is to think about who could you do this take this journey with um and then really just do it put it out there and even if you're just talking to yourself at the beginning you know people will come uh i think having some good images you know promotional images yeah so I, as you know i i start sending um the promos out maybe 
well, not a week before, but yeah, probably the previous chat almost for the whole week. And you can keep going, tag different people in it, use tag other hashtags in it. So just to get the word out there. Um, and for the actual chat, I think a couple of things that have been really helpful have been using something like TweetDeck. Are you familiar? Yeah. You used TweetDeck, didn't you? Yeah, I used your... that when I, um, yeah. when I hosted with you. And so scheduling questions ahead of time, that just frees you up. So the first few chats we did, I was actually posting the questions live and trying to, you know, I think I had a timer going off telling me to do it and stuff. So that was just awkward trying to manage the questions and reply to people. So something like TweetDeck, I don't know if there's something similar, but I find TweetDeck to be amazing, except for I tweeted um, 12 hours early the chat last week. Oh, no, right. I didn't. I, wait, no, I did see that. But yeah, I it came out 5.30 a.m. About the 12 hours. Oh, that <laughs> yeah. would have been perfect for my timing, though. <laughs> exactly. And so some people were joining in. They're probably going, yeah, I can join for a change, but it was just me <laughs> A tweet deck I, actually, I actually really like having it in the morning and yeah I find like because usually no one in my house is awake besides me yes. I wake up first but, anyway yeah. so I like to be able to jump on the chat it's it's convenient <laughs> but I, I don't know like and then sometimes when I do chats at night it's like I'm trying to make dinner I'm trying to get my kids yeah. bed, I'm trying to like get ready for the next day so I'm I feel like I'm more sporadic on those chats and I can't really sit down or my toddler yes. is on my phone and he's be like, he'll be like you're not tweeting today mama <laughs> like he'll grab that's my phone cute. from me <laughs> Uh, yeah, it is hard. So I think that's the biggest thing. And even with me joining in other chats, it just depends on the convenience of the time. But really, you're going to, whatever time you pick, there's going to be someone that would like to be there that won't find it convenient. So yeah. you basically have to go with what works for you. And um, yeah, so TweetDeck was the other thing. And I was, um, I just think that having, well, I don't know, some, some people only have five questions for the hour sometimes we blow way out but um yeah I think there's a few things like that people like to see the questions beforehand too we've often been asked you know can we see them and that that way some people who can't be there will actually schedule some answers oh and that's things. cool so that's a few other tips that yeah so but I just think really it's more just that put it out there if it doesn't work out <laughs> you know yeah nothing nothing's really lost by the experience so and like we were probably surprised that ours has gone so well, but I think because it's something that we are genuinely interested in. And then the other thing is too, we put out a call, which I need to do again, you know, for people to um, contribute as guest hosts and like yourself, wonderful right. people that will be willing to give up their time. And so, and I think that's what helps build the chat too, is having different people um, come with different um passions and different perspectives so our chat this week's on minecraft and, and lots of people may not have used minecraft but we might get a different audience this week of people that may not have joined the chat before because they're really into minecraft so yeah. just a whole host of different topics that's so, so cool probably soon we'll have to start repeating them after a couple of years it's like hard to think <laughs> <laughs> well at least stem and tech and all that is always changing and updating and improving so <laughs> And we can always go back to talking about the meaning of STEM. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We could do Define that every it. week and we'd have different answers. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> All right. Last piece, of, last piece of advice. We only have a couple minutes left. 
Okay. What advice would you give to educators who are looking to integrate STEM either more into their classrooms or like the first time? Just what, what advice would you give to integrate STEM into classrooms? I guess first of all, just start small. Um, don't think, you know, you need to start with this massive integrated project that you know, is going to take over all your learning. And I don't think there's any harm in, you know, we, we might sort of denigrate those little STEM challenges sometimes and say that's not real STEM. But I think sometimes just starting with a small STEM challenge or a small STEM project, maybe based on a book or a, a topic that you're already doing where the students get to design and build, um, even if it's not going to change the world, it helps the students learn those STEM skills that we talk yeah. about. That helps them collaborate on a smaller a project. So I think the danger in starting big and thinking that you're going to integrate all your um, learning areas into this project that's going to go over a whole term and, you know, everything's going to be involved, um, it might set itself up for being too challenging and fa fa you failing and then not wanting to do it more. I mean, we know failure is all part of STEM, but as a teacher, I right. think we starting small um, and then you can sort of build from there. And I think um, I actually like to see how STEM fits beyond, say, the traditional science and tech, engineering and maths. And you obviously talk a lot about STEAM with your um, podcast. But I think even just when you're doing a history project or you're doing health or something, you can actually say, well, there's actually like a little STEM problem in here we can solve. Or in literacy. I mean, books, I'm always going on about fiction books, but every book you pick up, really, a fiction book has some little problem that the kids could solve. And yeah. while it's not a real world in the sense of it's not going to change our world, it's real world enough for the kids to really hook themselves into um, that kind of style of problem solving so I love using stories in that way so I, that's a great little start I think for STEM but I think sometimes we just need to realize that um, you know everything doesn't have to be huge and starting small that would be my biggest thing yeah I definitely agree too and sorry. I think sometimes Sorry, Tori. No, um, just okay. that whole idea of being willing to be a bit messy. Now, for me, and a messy, I mean in that maybe just losing a little bit of that teacher control that we feel like <laughs> yes. have. And so saying to the kids, and this can be hard, so this is our topic, we're doing space. What is it that you really want to know? And if you're going to ask that question or what's a problem that you want to solve, if you're going to ask that, being willing to let go of the learning enough to let the kids really do that. So I think if we're going to ask them what do they want to solve or what are they, do they want to learn, then we can't just go, oh, well, we were going to learn about, you know, the desert anyway. So it doesn't matter what you want to learn. So don't ask them if you're not willing to go there is what I feel. Yeah. If you, I've done this in the past, like at the beginning of a unit on, say, rocks. You say, what do you, what's your burning question? And then they ask it and then you just go and teach the unit. <laughs> so why, did, yeah, why did you ask them <laughs> yeah I can I, I feel like I can remember that when that's happened when I was a student I remember like we would do like what you know what you want to know yeah and I like I can like actually vividly remember one time where I asked a question in sixth grade and I was dying to know the answer and the teacher was like no like that, that's not on my planner. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was before we could just like Google stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but it's funny. 
when you're doing space, I've asked the kids, you know, their burning questions and I'm going to give them the opportunity to go and answer them or, you know, to problem solve and then present their learning in any way that they want, whether it's using Minecraft, doing coding, you know, building structures, whatever. Um, that's really scary as a teacher. And so it's taken me a while to get to this place where I'm happy to go, what is your question? It does need to be on space. You know, that's the only constraint because that's our topic. Um, but then I want you to go into this and then create something and share it with us. And their eyes light up and all I'm going is, oh, panic. <laughs> this is going to be crazy. But that's, I think you need to be willing for that this is going to be crazy for it to be really authentic and, and powerful. But it takes a while to get to that point. I don't think you, you come in entry into STEM learning at that spot. Yeah, <laughs> I would agree with that too. And I think it's always a learning curve. Oh, I'm always, I'm always failing at something and trying oh, yeah. it again. And especially with tech, you would know, you know, you have great ideas and they don't come to plan. So mm -hmm. I just go, oops. <laughs> the kids are so used to me going oh that didn't work out <laughs> I agree uh, same same <laughs> so, um, all right so we we actually are running out of time the time quickly. is ticking yes our time is ticking um so how can people reach out to you and why don't you tell the times for primary stem chat in Australia too so if anyone sure. is listening is which would um, actually kind of surprise me because I feel like a lot of people um, at this point have heard on my podcast all about primary STEM chat. For, but in case they don't know, <laughs> tell them where to find you and where to find primary STEM chat. For sure. So, and well, thank you for promoting us so heavily in the past. It's gen genuinely appreciated. But for those that haven't joined before, primary STEM chat is on every Thursday evening in Australia. So it's 830 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time or at the moment it's daylight savings time so um, that's 5 30 p.m. in Australian Western Standard Time in Perth so equating to 5 30 a.m. there in what's your time zone? Uh, Eastern Standard. Yeah so 5 30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on Thursdays and we go every Thursday we don't tend to stop for holidays but we will close down over Christmas and you can find me on Twitter at Rachel Lair and that's R-A-C-H-A-E-L-L-E-H-R happy to respond to direct messages or tweets generally quite timely manner but sometimes I miss some but yeah that's probably the best way to get in touch with me I'm usually quite active on Twitter yeah I love Twitter it's my favorite Yep. Um, <laughs> I'm actually thinking I might have to have one day a week where I just don't look at my phone. Don't do it on. Yeah. I think that would be healthy. Yeah. If you guys want to reach out to me, my Twitter is at steamupthecLSRM, or you can find me on steamuptheclassroom.com. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. Thank you.